Welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast, Monday, November 15th edition. It's been a quiet week in Ducksland. Not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, yeah, you know, for sure. Just, for just sure. It's a quiet week. It's no, no, no GM resignations, uh, no winning streaks, nothing like that. Yeah, definitely one of the most uneventful weeks that we've <laughs> ever uh, dealt with, right? Yeah, in all seriousness, uh, we already did a podcast covering the entire podcast. Uh, murray saga so the only additional news that has come out since then we will get into that uh some some loose ends being tied up since that time we will talk about the ducks winning streak and what do we make of it because we've been getting asked a little bit on twitter you know when do we get to say that the ducks are legit you know when is when is there a green light to to fully buy into to the hype essentially um, we're going to talk about who could potentially replace Bob Murray as GM. Going to talk about Troy Terry being very good. By the way, Jake, congratulations to you! Oh, thank you, thank you. What a day! What this a is day! A, this is a big day for you. Do you want to? Do you want to let people in on, on yeah, what you have to celebrate? So the Ducks account replied to uh, to what was it? Uh, I think it was a TNT's account showing something about something about uh, Troy Terry and saying, "Is he good?" And the Ducks replied with hashtag Troy Terry is very good. Yep. I like, really want to know when was the first time that you that you tweeted that. Like how many years ago do you think it, it would was? have been right after Perry left because I had decided that I needed to continue the Perry is so good somehow. And so I went to Troy Terry is very good. It's funny because it's I mean, with all due respect. It's oh, it's not, not good. It's, <laughs> per, like like the best one I've ever done is, is by far beaten by Dre. Yeah, yeah, and and it, I feel like that one's flown a little under the radar. Yeah, um, that was a good one. But hey, congrats to you! Your your team team account official now. Yeah, exactly. That that's a big step for you. Exactly, one hundred percent. You know, I'm on their radar. We'll see how it goes from here. I should just retire from Twitter. You know. You know, after after, <laughs> after the, the last twenty four hours, after the last twenty four hours of getting just you know chewed <laughs> apart on Twitter, HF uh, boards tearing us apart. Because people don't like our takes, uh, yeah, I'm considering I'm considering Twitter retirement. I already switched to Tweetbot on my phone, which is just so unusable that it's it's almost like a semi-retirement because I just can't I can't see what's going on half the time. Yeah, our our, our good buddy CJ swears by Tweetbot, and for anyone out there who likes Tweetbot, please reach out to me and let me know what you like about it because it, it's 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 trash. Like I don't know what else to say. Um, uh, hopefully this doesn't, uh, you know, tank the possibility of them sponsoring us one day, but it's yeah. fresh. So we'll yeah. see. There you go. Um, uh, Fernando Valenzuela saying I should put this on my resume. Definitely going on the resume. So I will say this though, uh, in terms of today's holiday, in terms of today's holiday, uh, in case you're wondering today is national. I love to write day. And wouldn't you know it, Jake put out an article today, wrote I, something. Well, what do you know? Didn't do that on purpose. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could have you could have lied. You could have said just now that uh, you know this podcast is about integrity, holding yourself to standards. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Big of you. Um, but yeah, five takeaways are back. So definitely go check that out, everybody at Crash the Pond. Uh, a nice overview of what's going on with the Ducks. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, do you want to dive into the topics? I did want to talk about something that happened today. Sure, um, go for it. Totally unrelated, but. Okay. Woke up this morning and my my bedroom was shaking, and it happened twice. Uh, very brief. Thought it was an earthquake. Thought it was over. Um, went about my day. Didn't think anything of it. 
and then someone in our Discord, in our in our patrons Discord, posted that there had potentially been a sonic boom over Orange County, and that was the reason why that there was the shaking this morning. Uh, and I just find that incredible. There was no seismic activity uh, registered in the area. So I guess, well, there I guess, there was the, that that was the weird thing. I looked and I could have sworn I saw that there was seismic activity, but it was more so up. But the thing is, it was up in Big Bear and it was a 1.0, so it wouldn't make sense yeah. actually that the waves would make it to you. So that's fair. Yeah, I mean, my there's my nerdy nerdy engineer uh, brain. Well, it, it didn't it it didn't actually make any argument though. It didn't make any case for for this situation. But anyway, your your brain, we we love your brain, but people can't see it on camera. But the wall to my left this morning was swaying like this for like a couple seconds um which isn't normal like that doesn't that doesn't usually happen um and so i guess maybe a fighter jet was a little too low and broke the sound barrier uh right above the, the area i mean that's just crazy that it's even possible but yeah. anyway what buildings just, are flexible meant to move yeah there you go your your engineering background uh, once again my my career my profession <laughs> <laughs> not just background your background yeah you know your hobby your hobby the, the thing you do in your spare time yeah your spare, your spare 40 hours a week um okay this is fully off the rails all right I, let's just get right into it so um the, the real quick the real quick yeah so the timeline here obviously is bob murray resigned um and it seems as and if kind of knows by now <laughs> everyone knows that by now the timeline from i believe i guess just filling in the gap from the last time that we recorded until now where he was put on administrative leave it sounds as if from kind of the different reporting that we have from frank cervelli emily kaplan kind of everyone that he left uh i believe it was vancouver right where where he was with the team yep. flew traveling back with the team traveling yep. with the team uh, was in Vancouver when this was announced and he was put on administrative leave. He got on a plane back down to Anaheim the very next day, which would have been, I believe, what was that, Wednesday? Yep. I think, or maybe it was Thursday. I can't, the the days are all blended together, but it might have been Wednesday. Uh, that was when it was reported that Henry Samueli was going to have a meeting with him. And I would imagine, uh, and then kind of right afterwards, it came out that uh, Bob Murray had resigned. And so one will have to imagine that the findings of the investigation or the preliminary findings of the investigation were reported to Bob Murray. And he was probably presented with the option to resign or see this investigation go all the way through and decided to resign. And so um, that's a little bit of speculation on my part right there. But um, yeah, it's just kind of connecting the dots a little bit. So we don't really know still yet what the exact... um, uh, transgression is by Murray, but there's all of the different reporting. Supposedly, multiple people um, uh, utilizing the NHL hotline, uh, reporting different things. The Ducks acted relatively quickly after getting the tip um, and after the memo. And Bob Murray is no longer the general manager of the Ducks. And so, um, I really quick though, the one thing I do want to say on this, because um, this this kind of sentiment I saw. And I, I've talked about it on our Patreon episode. I've put it in my article, but I think it's something I do want to address here slightly. Um, is that there is a bit of a sentiment of talking about his, his tenure with the Ducks and looking at the the on ice product and saying that well he he still provided a good on ice product or people should be appreciative. And one thing I I want to say on that is no we we don't need to say or be appreciative of his tenure with the Ducks because even though we're just finding out about all of the transgressions, the allegations, whatever you want to say. Um, we're just finding out about them. and We're going to find out more over the next little bit. But 
this has been the reality of the situation for people within the, within the organization since Bob Murray's been with the team. Maybe it's gotten worse over the last couple of years, but this is who he's been. And so this is a black mark on this organization that they're going to have to wear and they are going to have to have questions asked of them of how was this allowed to happen? What enabled this situation? And the key kind of follow-up to that is what, uh, what actions are you going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? And that's, I think, the big follow-up for the organization moving forward. But to me, this tarnishes Murray's legacy and, and 100% tarnishes it. And puts a, And it, I will never be able to look at the last decade the same. And I think that I have a bit more respect, um, or not a bit, a lot more respect for the players and the staff that had to deal with this situation and were able to perform in spite of having a manager that was uh, verbally abusive. But I, I just really want to say you don't need to uh, commend the job they did or talk about the on-ice product because at the end of the day, his legacy is this. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. And I think that, you know, in a lot of instances, people's reflex is to make sure to account for both sides, quote-unquote, with the mm-hmm. air quotes there, and yeah. to try to be fair and, and cover the entire picture. In this situation there's no need to do these gymnastics to, to make sure that you, that you give the, the kind of cursory mention of, of Bob Murray's on ice legacy with the ducks. Like this is a situation that we don't even know that much about yet. And it was bad enough for the ducks to essentially get Murray to resign. And so I think that is, that is what's most prescient at the moment. And it's okay to focus on that. That is the big news here. You can do the postmortems later about his on-ice legacy and what he accomplished with the Ducks. But like you said, this is a huge black mark, and all of those accomplishments now have to be viewed in a completely different light, and it takes away from them severely. Now, of course, we have to mention we don't know all the details. Yep. We don't We don't know any specifics, really, but we know, we know enough to say that this something really bad was happening. And, you know... The hope is that it wasn't bad to the point where people got hurt, but clearly it was bad enough to where it was described as toxic, daily mental warfare. I mean, yeah. that's that just sounds like hell. Yep. So anyway, yeah, I agree with you. Like the 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 the, the both sides thing is just uh, yeah, it's, and, not, it's not needed right now. Yeah, and that's not something that we really addressed in last week's and, and uh, I, emergency and I wanna, episode. And I don't want to bash people who have taken that tact. Look, if if you think that it's worth noting, it's worth mentioning at this point in time by all means, but make sure that you also focus and talk mostly about what's come out in the last week. Yeah. Yep. And I, if you are going to bring that up, you also have to mention that this, uh, these allegations all occurred back then that, that this is not something that is uh, new. Yeah, exactly. That this was the reality for the players at that time. Yeah. This this is at least a few years yeah. That, that it's been going on. Um, yep. Some of the allegations are, are from years ago, as has yeah. been leaked. So anyway, it, it, it feels weird that, you know, you and I have on this show talked so much about Bob Murray and his his woes as the GM of this team and, and his actions that have really brought them to the point where they had to rebuild and his failure to kind of properly address that rebuild really up until now. And there's a weird kind of like, it's almost anticlimactic that it's just over now. It's just, yeah, that's it. It's, it's, all, we're, it's ne- we're, ne- we're never going to see Bob Murray with, I mean, 
who knows if we're ever going to see him near this organization ever again, yeah. let alone working for them. We may never see him in hockey again. Like, who knows, right? I mean, he's 66. Maybe this is what prompts him to retire. But it's uh, it's just kind of weird to think that it's over, that yeah. the Murray era, just like that in one fell swoop, has been well, uh, nullified. I think it was on the Patreon episode that we recorded on the weekend. But if you would have told me, and now granted, extenuating circumstances with this, but if you would have told me that Murray would be gone and Dallas Akins would still be the head coach of this team, yeah, I, I would have been like mid-season. I would have been shocked. And I mean, it took an extenuating circumstance for for this to happen. And so um, it, it's definitely a, a bit shocking. I do want to really quickly, um, before we kind of move on to, to some discussion about Jeff Solomon, unless there's anything else you want to add on this, um, I do want to read the statement from the Samuelis because I think that that is kind of important to get out there for maybe those who are maybe rely on us for a lot of information and maybe haven't necessarily seen the statement, but most likely that's not the case, but here it is. First and foremost, we apologize on behalf of the organization to anyone affected by misconduct from Bob. We expect every member of our organization to be treated with respect and will not stand for abuse of any kind. Bob tendered his resignation this morning while also informing us of his decision to enter an alcohol abuse program. While we do not condone his conduct, we fully support his efforts to improve his physical and mental health by asking for help. We will now begin a methodical extensive search for a permanent general manager to lead us forward. We expect to complete this process no later than next summer. So open timeline right now, yep. you know, Samuel, he's not committing to picking a new GM right away, which I think as you pointed out on our Patreon show, the ducks haven't actually hired a new, a fully new general manager in what? 20 years, at least 20 years since Oh five, since the Samuel, bought the team. Right. Right. The Samuel's so, have done one and that would have been Brian Burke and it would have been Oh five. Right. Exactly. So 16 years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's been a while. And I think it makes sense to approach this, you know, as cautiously and mm-hmm. as prudently as possible. Definitely. There's, re- there's really no need to rush. You have an infrastructure in place. You have people that have been there a little bit. I do find it interesting, though, and we will get more into this topic. I mean, we, we might be able to just pivot right into it. I think you have that in, in our little schedule. But uh, Jeff Solomon named interim GM. I mean, yep. not, not Dave Nonis. Not Martin Madden. That's actually, I think, the most interesting part of this is mm-hmm. not Dave Nonis. I mean, look, my own crack theory on this is that Dave Nonis was one of Murray's guys. And I think that, look, th- now this is speculation. Just I, yep. warning earmuffs for people who don't want to hear speculation. But I wonder at some point, like, we've we've talked about this on previous shows, uh, or maybe it was the Patreon, I don't remember. They're all blending together. Um, yeah. But at some point, someone's going to – there's going to be other names that come out with this, right? Yeah. People are are going to be implicated in this. Yeah, Bob Murray isn't able to have this without people underneath him in some ways enabling him. Right. He had to have lieutenants that assisted him. And so I'm not saying that that was Dave Nonis. I have no way of knowing. So to to even suggest that would be pure speculation. But I think it makes sense that they went with the one guy who is a complete outsider yes. because he can't possibly have any dirt on his nose. Yeah. I mean, the, invest- unless, the investigation, some, some wild stuff in the last six months. Yeah. Yeah. The, the investigation is still ongoing. So I think they're still awaiting details. So I think that you're probably spot on where, there where it might not be a situation where Dave notices 
uh, implicated in anything or, or there's no. anything for no. him. But it, it's just from the uh, optics perspective while, while this is going on, Jess Solomon is a guy that uh, had not been with the organization until summer. And, yeah, and so they, I think that it, it's a smart move from that perspective. Yeah, they don't want to sack two people in one season. I think that they, they, they'd rather bring on the guy who's not who's the least likely to have anything come out with this investigation yeah that is all that is one reading of the choice the other could be and maybe this is just part of it that it's more of a pie chart that you know the the samuelis want to see what they have in jeff solomon as gm of this team because he is a potential candidate to be that you know for, for in their search and so now you basically get a free trial you you get a free trial you know you whatever the the amount of months that's left in the season you get that and then you're gonna have to start having a paid subscription uh for jeff solomon as as gm so i think yep. that i think this is kind of a win-win for the ducks now with mm-hmm. um with murray out of the picture is that you get to you you get to find out what you have in what i consider to be a great candidate for solomon and all Ooh. the while, you can continue your search. A bit of conjecture here, but uh, or who knows whether this is true or not, but something brought up in our Twitch chat right now is Fired Carlisle saying, I thought I heard that Notice doesn't live locally, which is why Solomon was the choice for interim GM. I mean, that could be part of it. Yeah, I mean, Notice, do you don't think Notice would move for this opportunity? For an interim position? Probably not. Maybe. Um, someone um, asking in our Twitch chat, do you think Madden feels slighted by this move? I hope Maybe. not. I hope not. I mean, I have no way of knowing, but I hope yeah. not because I just don't think he's half as qualified as yeah, Jeff Solomon. I mean, here's the issue with when you're comparing Madden and and Solomon is that uh, Madden at the end of the day was a head of sc- or head scout, like he was the head of the scouting department and got promoted recently to being an assistant general manager. So his entire background is scouting. He doesn't necessarily know trades, contracts, anything like that. Yeah, the CBA, the the salary cap, anything like that. And Jeff Solomon does. And Jeff Solomon has been an assistant general manager for longer. Um, and, and so um, this is definitely... Well, so I, I think Madden is the one who doesn't live locally because he lives in Quebec City. That's true. So maybe that's part of it as well. Yeah, yep. Um, but regardless, again, whatever, whatever you want to say about comparing the two um, and if one should feel slighted, it's just... It's just a fact that Solomon, if you were to take out the names of the resume and you were to just to compare the resumes and you were to ask yourself, who, who would you rather have steer the ship for the next few months? 10 times out of 10, you pick the guy that understands the collective bargaining agreement, the nuts and bolts that can just run the day to day operation. Right. I think that if Madden were to eventually be GM, he might be a good kind of central figure who has a really good feel for players and has a good feel for hiring people around him to insulate his his weak spots. But for right now, Solomon just makes the most sense. Yeah, so. 100%. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, we don't have to, but do you think it's worth reading the the, the statement from Jeff Solomon? Uh, which one? The <laughs> one just basically about addressing kind of the team and about kindness. I, I think it's, I, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. Uh, I, I like did how not you asked me and then answered yourself. I, I asked you and then you were kind of just uh, pausing. Yes or no? Well, you've already answered yes to yourself. Okay. So all right, there we go. 
the me- I just wanted confirmation from you to confirm my, my thoughts. Let's go with it, though. The message is straightforward. It's truly unfathomable that in this day and age that we really need to have these constant reminders about fostering inclusion, treating people with dignity and respect. We should have to be we should uh, shouldn't have to be reminded yet we find ourselves uh, dealing with unusual and unfortunate unfortunate circumstances and situations that are constant reminders for us as a league, as players, as staff working for this organization. We're privileged and honored to have the ability to serve the people and the these are the people that deserve our respect and our trust and our commitment. I think of our vision of treating uh, treating everyone equally fairly and with compassion. I just talked to the guys about the standard that we set in the league, in the organization. The league was really good about sending a memo, basically reminding people about the overriding objective to foster inclusion. But honestly, I didn't have to read the memo. We shouldn't have to read it. It's unfortunate that we even need these reminders because these are the things are, are things that we should already set our standards to. Uh, and we have high uh, a high set of standards and a bar of excellence with uh, within the organization. And it's going to continue to be that way. And he also had a later uh, kind of little snippet basically saying that it's easy to be uh, nice to the people that you report to, but really the test of a person's character is how you treat people that you really don't have to be nice to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, said all the right things, yep. said all the right things, said what you would want to hear someone say. And although my own personal opinion is that it's all kind of words at the end of yeah, the day, 100%, but you've seen the NHL. Yep. Literally the actual league that's mm-hmm. in charge of all of this screw up messaging on easy stuff like this. So yep. I do give Solomon credit for how he handled that. And if you kind of watched him give those comments, he did seem sincere. Yes. And I, th- and I think that that goes a long way. Yep, he did. And the other thing he mentioned there that's of importance uh, is that basically the plan is still in place. They're not deviating from the plan just because they're having success right now that basically he came to the ducks because of the, and, and had a, a vision for the team that was in line with Bob Murray's vision of, of rebuilding and it sounds as if that plan is still in place. So that's also, I think, good news for a Ducks fan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't really love how he kind of brought up a few times, like, you know, Bob and I shared the same vision. Yeah. Like, that was – but it is what it is. It's Yeah. All My, in all. Minor all in type all, of stuff. All in but, all, got it right. But I think if you're a Ducks fan like us or, – or you're not a Ducks fan, but a Ducks fan like me or someone that has an interest in the team like you that have their opinions on how this team should be rebuilt and especially with the pending UFAs coming up for this team and how actually critical this season is for the Ducks uh, with what they're going to do with Lindholm, Manson, and Raquel and, and see if they can get a return for those players or what they're going to do with those players. And I think if you have the opinion that we do that they should all be moved or at least uh, the – two of the three should be moved at least um this was a good sign because this kind of i think drove home that point that that original plan is still in place right right so yeah i mean i all in all it seems like the ducks have put a pretty bad part of their history behind them in the Mm -hmm. last week i think that they're not out of the woods yet because surely more of the details are going to come out and i do think I do expect that the Samuelis will publicly uh, discuss this in the near future Mm -hmm. once the investigation is over. And I think that that will also bring its own discussion because they Mm -hmm. never speak publicly uh, unless it's about something philanthropic or, you know, but never about the actual team. And so I think it's going to be very interesting to hear them speak. And when they do, we're going to have that discussion. And I think from there, it's probably going to go away. For yeah. a bit um 
Now we do need to discuss though who comes who's going to be the next GM of the team because that is the biggest question now moving forward. Yep. And I mean, here's my opinion on what they should do. Mm-hmm. So this right now, I believe, or in my opinion, this is Jeff Solomon's uh, job interview right now. If he mm-hmm. is successful, then it's I think it's his job to lose. But I could see the Ducks, especially with everything that's going on, you want to add a failsafe on top of uh, Jeff Solomon, maybe a sounding board for him. Essentially another level, you add a president of hockey ops on top of him that has uh, some experience as a general manager in this league um, and is maybe a little bit older, but is a little bit more forward thinking. And the name that instantly comes to mind is Mike Gillis. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that's someone who was very pivotal in building some very, very good Canucks teams. Canucks teams that, quite frankly, were well ahead of the time in terms of uh, building teams with skill and pace and things like that. Those Canucks teams were probably, what, five years ahead of the rest of the league? Mm-hmm. in terms of a lot of things. And so I think having a guy like Mike Gillis as your president of hockey ops would be a fantastic thing if Jeff Solomon is your general manager. Or another option is if Jeff Solomon's not great, you can almost reunite what was in Vancouver and uh, interview Lawrence Gilman and have mm-hmm. Lawrence Gilman as your GM, who was an AGM to Mike Gillis. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, those Canucks teams were great. Right. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder what the structure of the management group will be in the future. Well, next season, (laughs) the next few months, Um, because this is a point I think I made on the Patreon show, but it's that seeing how Bob Murray was able to centralize and really hold on to all of this power in his seat and expand that over the years, taking on another position as the EVP of hockey ops. um, I think that maybe the Samuelis are going to tell themselves maybe it's better to have it be decentralized to have a couple of people in charge as opposed to one so that hopefully you can't have what happened happen again. So maybe that is the best case for a president of hockey ops to, to work alongside a Jeff Solomon. And I, and I kind of think that that's, that's an approach that we've seen do well around the league, right? You have a GM who plays a certain role, right? More transactional nuts and bolts. And then you have the president of hockey operations who, it's kind of the larger vision, the gut calls, right? Just And I think having those two working together, it could lead to great results. And um, I would have no problem personally with just Jeff Solomon at the helm because even if there's no present hockey ops, there's still assistant GMs. There's still different different yeah. uh, guys who can fill different uh, roles, right, with different types of expertise, right, with Martin Madden and, and his scouting, yeah. different things like that. So it's not necessarily this big issue if there's no – president of hockey ops but i and also for a you know a franchise like the ducks that some may classify as smaller market or lower budget mm-hmm. maybe they don't want to have another yeah. highly paid position yeah that's in their point. front office but i i guess what would you do if you're if it's your call to make or does it just depend on who's available um well if i were doing this and it was my call to make i would hire a president of hockey ops because yeah. I, I just think that's the way the league's going. I think that that's... Um, we'll just get more smart people in the room. Really, exactly, exactly. And, and so I, I think that... I think getting someone who's smart and forward-thinking that, that Jeff Solomon can bounce ideas off of is not a bad idea necessarily. And so mm-hmm. I, I that's what I would do. I mean, looking at the names out there, really the only name, and it's not necessarily even listed, um, but the only name I would really go after hard. And I mean... This is just my own opinion. There's no actual information here and no idea if he actually wants out of Carolina, but Eric Tolsky. 
If Eric mm-hmm. Tolsky is looking to become a general manager in this league, and that's what his aspirations are, um, and he wants to leave Carolina, is, is willing to leave Carolina to do that, that's someone that you would, I would personally go all out to get. Whether the Samuelis would or not, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but that is someone that I would do, and I would probably try to hire someone above him to be a president of Hockey Ops. Right. Yeah, I I really want to see the next hire for this team, regardless of what it's going to be, whether it's a GM plus president or just GM. I don't want it to be a retread, you know, because people are oh, clamoring. Yeah. People are clamoring for Jeff Gordon, which you know, would not be a terrible choice, right? I mean, he did well with what he had in New York. I, I would be happy with Jeff Gordon. Right. So, like, he's probably on the, I guess, on the better end of that spectrum, but not just another name, you know, like, if he leaves Montreal, not like a Mark Bergevin, not just another name that's been in yeah. this kind of hamster wheel of of the NHL's old boys club. Bring someone, and I, I don't know if Mike Gillis counts as a retread, but I think that if you look at his career and the fact that he had all that success doing things differently and has been out of the league now for, you know, for... I mean, it's been a decade since the Canucks got to that game seven in the Stanley Cup finals. So my ideal situation would be a Gillis-Solomon, I think, tandem. Mm-hmm. Honestly, my ideal situation, not necessarily ideal, but just what I would be fine with, just give Jeff Solomon the job. <laughs> I, I think that part of the reason you you bring him as the AGM last summer is because you think that he can eventually fill those shoes. I think that he has the chops for it. I think that he has the skills necessary to build a winner. You see kind of what he brought to the LA Kings and how they went about it, doing it a lot differently, really focusing on analytics. And I, I just judging from how he spoke in that press conference, he strikes me as the guy. And of course this is all just how he looks publicly, but that can get through to people around him. And so I think that he can build a good staff around himself to maybe cover his, his, his blind spots. Right. I think he's, he seems like the kind of guy who might be more aware of them. Now, we'll say this. We've been burned before on being really high on someone with no uh, experience in a specific yeah. role in the NHL. Yep. And that person would happen to be the Ducks' current head coach, Dallas Akins. So I guess you have to take all of this with a grain of salt, but yep. I do. I am encouraged with what I've seen and what I've read and what yep. I've heard on Jeff Solomon. Yep, completely agreed. Um, anything else you want to do on the, uh, talk about on the GM search or Jeff Solomon or all good? Give Solomon the job. Yep. Agreed <laughs> with that. All right. So before we move on, it is time for a word from our sponsor. So this holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I have the performance package 4.0 from the global leaders in below the waist grooming? Not to mention, it includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to tame my bush and score brownie points with the in-laws gift yourself manscaped or the man in your life who needs it uh join four million men worldwide who trust manscaped with 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code ctp by going to manscaped.com so felix Manscaped has been kind enough to have been a sponsor of the show in the past back on with us for a little bit we'll uh but They've been kind enough to send us some gear and send us some stuff. Both of us have gotten the um, Performance Package 4.0 that includes the Lawnmower 4.0. What's been your favorite part of that trimmer? So, I mean, my favorite part about it is that it just doesn't mess me up when I use it. I don't get cuts. I don't get nicks. And that's really due to the cutting-edge ceramic blade that is used specifically to reduce grooming accidents thanks to that advanced skin-safe 
technology also gives you the ability to turn and i know that you're not as big a fan of this but the 4000k led spotlight on and off when you're trying to get into those nooks and crannies to be very precise so yeah i've been a big fan of that uh doesn't doesn't injure me i i like that i enjoy that yeah and also it's waterproof so you can take it in the shower you yeah. know the, the light really helps it, it helps get, find get, get wet and wild you know yeah and the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear i mean this is something that my wife is uh yeah. always you, hounded me about hair. i don't have ear hair i've got nose hair I thought you did have ear hair. No, no ear hair, just nose hair. So definitely a a must-have. And it also uses a 9,000 RPM uh, motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system to provide proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. And you can't forget Manscaped's liquid formulations. They're like pumpkin pie and ice cream after Thanksgiving dinner, Felix. Uh, speaking of which, Felix doesn't like pumpkin pie. Yeah. Uh, and, and you, But, I mean, I can't live without it. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Toner Spray. Your balls will be living in turkey heaven with these formulations. And uh, they also... Uh, Manscaped's been a bit busy lately. They just, uh, they just launched their refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Both feature the Manscaped signature scent and will help unlock your confidence this year. Your boys and body will be oh so fresh and so clean when you start off your self-care routine with the ultimate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. So you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP, like crash the pond, at manscaped.com. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. There you go. Help us out, folks. Help us out. (laughs) If you enjoy those ad reads, go buy a Manscaped razor. Use the code CTP. That's how they continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think the product is good. So take that for what it's worth. Okay. Jake, the Ducks have won seven games in a row. That hasn't happened in a long time. It's it been hasn't. years. It's been years and years. And we have been asked on Twitter, I have been asked at least, you know, when when can we be excited? When can fans buy into the hype? I mean, I think, look, if you're a fan – just be happy when, when wins are coming in like that and, and they're coming in despite let's just call it suboptimal coaching decisions. I think you just got to rejoice and be happy. Um, that being said though, we are asked to look under the hood and see if this ducks team is for real. So before we dive into any numbers, before we, you know, have the fine tooth conversation, I just want your gut feel, you know, is this, are they legit? Is this a, is this a team that are the ducks actually good? is my question. Ooh, loaded question there. Um, loaded question. Um, I'm going to go with this. Are the oh ducks God. here comes, here comes the heavily couched. Oh, heavily com- I'm hedging, 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 hedging. Okay. Um, here's the thing. The ducks are legitimately fun this year. And I think that that is something to really take home. And it's something that if you're a fan to definitely enjoy, now, do I think that they are going to continue the point pace they're on and continue to win seven games in a row consistently throughout the season? No, 
But I think there are lots of signs of hope for this team that have not been there in years past. And I think a big thing is if you look at their five-on-five numbers over the last little bit, they've been consistently above 50% in their last, let me see, five games. The only concern that I have here is that a lot of the teams that they've been playing of lately have been of the lower tier level. And so I think from my perspective of is this for real, I think this next week is going to be really critical for that because they're playing two teams that are better than I think teams that they've been playing in the past um, with the Carolina Hurricanes specifically on Thursday being a team that has been very good at five on five for this season. And if I'm just kind of looking right now, just yeah, the caps are fifth in the league at five on five. The hurricanes are 13th in the league, both of them well above 50%. So these are two teams that are going to be they're uh, dangerous. They're yeah. more dangerous than who they've been than than the shitty Canucks. Yeah, I mean the Canucks, <laughs> for instance. Let me see. The Canucks are 29th in the league. Uh, I mean, actually, the funny thing is the Kraken are decent. They're above 50. So the, the problem with the Kraken is that they just have awful goaltending. Yeah, 100. percent And that just tanks everything that they're well, doing. Well, and yeah, and they were missing some players. I think when the Ducks played so, them because so but, hold on. So so just to summarize what your response. So you're saying that. What exactly? I'm, I'm saying that they are not the worst team in the division. I don't believe that they're a playoff team necessarily, but I think that they are going to be a team that will make it fun the entire way. Okay. So I still don't know if you've actually answered the question of are the Ducks actually good, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you off the hook. What, what does good mean? Define that, good. Well, so that's the thing, and that's what I'm going to get into here, is that are the Ducks actually good? Are the Ducks a you know, a cup contender right now? No. no, they are not there yet, and I think most people would would be fine with that. Even the the biggest crash the pond haters would agree with that because um, they're out there. We know they're out there. But I'm not out today. Fun times. That being said, though, are the Ducks a playoff team? Are they playoff caliber? I think that right now they have maybe crossed into the threshold of fringe playoff caliber in the NHL's yeah. weakest division. Like, I, I like, think it's 50-50 right now. Yeah, so I and I think that so are they actually good? I think that what you're seeing right now is not all smoke and mirrors. It's not all just, you know, shooting percentage bender with incredible goaltending. You know, John Gibson's been fine this year, but if you look at his uh his his numbers, his advanced numbers, his goal saved above expected is not that far it's above like plus zero. 2 or something like that. Exactly. So they're not really riding hot hot goaltending. And their power play has cooled off slightly just in terms of how it's playing. So I think that they are actually yielding good results, good underlying I mean, results. I'm just going to lay this out there for that seven games, the seven game streak they're on. Mm-hmm. Um, it started with Montreal. Montreal, 47% expected goals, 4%. Then they played New Jersey, 38%. Then the Coyotes, 57%. St. Louis, 53%. Vancouver, 56.7%. Seattle, 61%. Vancouver, 56%. So, I mean, the fact that it's five games in a row above 50% expected goals, four percentage, I don't know if there was a time at all last season or the season before where that happened for mm-hmm. this Ducks team, regardless of the level of competition. And so I think that that is a sign of progress is that these teams that they should be beating, that right. they should be playing well against, they have been. Well, the well that's, the, that's the thing that I think we have to give them credit for is yeah. that Yes, they are beating some bad teams, but that has not always been a lock in the yeah. past, and yep. they are now turning that into a lock. Like like on Sunday, they were playing a Canucks team on the tail end of a back-to-back where I think in the past it's a totally open question whether the Ducks can capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. And 
they wiped the floor with them. I mean, yeah. they, they, they made it, they, they did what they had to do. And that alone is a sign of progress. Well, so and, I, and, and, and we'll get into the specific, you know, different players, but I think this team is, is better than what it's been for sure. Yeah. And here's the thing, even in the games where they're getting outshot, like the game against the Canucks, the, the one in Vancouver where, uh, it seemed like Gibson was under siege a little bit. They, they mm-hmm. lost the Corsi four percentage battle, uh, 41.62%. But they won the expected goals for, which shows that even when they're giving up shots against and they're bleeding some shots, they're keeping teams relatively to the outside and are winning the the overall quality battle. And so I find that kind of interesting when looking at that. I mean, St. Louis was similar where they got outshot, but they ended up uh, much better off in terms of the the expected goals for percentage. And so they're doing a good job uh, of getting chances for themselves, while also when they are allowing shots, they're keeping them to the outside for the most part. There are obviously those chances... Uh, that that are going the other teams are going to get because that's just how it is but uh they're doing a good job overall and i think that this is a sign of progress for this team and something that we really haven't seen in a long time right and i guess my question and i I will also point out if you look at their numbers if you just look at their raw numbers if you go to any you know hockey stats website they don't look that great they're still kind of bottom tier ish you know maybe fringe middle of the pack and and expect the goals for and and corsi for but if you look at their actual rolling differentials on a hockey, that's now up on the screen also for anyone the, watching the they YouTube started video off, on Twitch. They started off so bad. And so that kind of suppresses their overall numbers, but they have been trending basically up the entire season. And now they've been well above break even for, for a good stretch. That being said, we can't just throw out what happened in the beginning of the season, right? No. I mean, we, we can't just pick and choose which part well, of the sample is the most meaningful, but there is something to be said for the fact that the trend is going in the right direction. Correct. And I think that that's really important here is that the trend's going in the right direction. And it's something that we really haven't seen. And so I think that if you're looking for a positive, the big positive right now for this Ducks team is that they're showing signs of controlling play in a right. way that they haven't necessarily done that in the past. And they're getting no, they chances. They haven't done that at all in three years. Yeah. And <laughs> and I think the, the fun thing for a Ducks fan right now is that the top two lines really do it very differently. Um, the Getzloff line really kind of, it's a mix of whether it, it's a clean zone, zone entry or a dump, but they're a team that wants to have the puck in the offensive zone and create chances off of having the puck in there because Getzloff is just so creative with the puck on his stick that they can have offensive zone time. Whereas, Trevor Zegras, on the other hand, now granted, we'll get into a little bit more of having Delore on his line later, but um, you look at how he's dangerous and you look at, for instance, the, the third goal uh, of last night's game or the, the third point for him from last night, that's on a rush chance where it's kind of flipped out. He's able to get it and it's him and Milano going in on a two-on-one and he has the behind the ba- or spinning behind the back pass basically to find Sonny Milano and it yeah. happens on the rush and that's where Trevor Zegras lives and dies is on the rush. And so... It's fun because you have two different lines that really creates offense in in different fashions. I think that's entertaining because, I mean, it's variety for you and allows you to enjoy different types of hockey all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that that is a good point. Now, before we go heavily into the players, I do want to ask you, look, the Ducks are, you just made the case that the Ducks are better this year, uh, Mm -hmm. that, that they have been playing better. How I mean, does Dallas Akins get any credit in your mind for that? Because he is the head coach of this team, and where we criticize him, right? When th- when things go poorly, when mm-hmm. poor decisions are oh, made, and we're gonna have criticism for him later. Don't worry. 
how much how much credit do you give him for this turnaround? Um, I think you have to. I mean, if we're going to be critical of him uh, in the way that we're about to be in terms of his micromanaging of various different situations, I think by that same fashion, you have to give him credit for for putting uh, Terry and Ketzloff together for for some of the changes that he's done for. I mean, you may there may be some squibbles about how Drysdale's been playing, but that pairing on the whole has some decent, uh, some solid numbers. Yeah, and um, I and so has Fowler and Manson, and so I think overall there are little issues that you can kind of identify. But on the whole, I think Dallas Akins has been bet- much better this season than he has in the past, and so the the real question I guess comes up is how much of the the change in success has to do with age related um, improvement in players. How much of it has to do with Dallas Aikens now playing better players? Because we don't see Sam Steele playing 16, 17 minutes a night. Instead, we're seeing Isaac Lundstrom get those minutes, and Isaac Lundstrom is doing a much better job than Sam Steele ever did with those minutes. And, and so I think it's a mix of aging and uh, for the younger players. But I do think that Dallas Aikens deserves some credit here. Yeah, so it is still a bit of a mixed bag because there have been things that have because I guess when you ask, do you give Aikens credit? I think you have to be able to point things that he has done that have worked out, that have helped mm-hmm. spur on That's this, this winning. And you just did that. So I'm impressed by that because I think that there is, there's also evidence to decisions that he's made that have oh, helped this, 100%. Team, this, this team back. But I think the big bets that he has made, so I remember in the preseason, right, when we were at Ducks rookie camp and we got to talk to Aikens, I mean, he brought up the fact that they they were that they were high on that Getzlaff Terry pairing, and mm-hmm. I remember having asked him about the Contois Zegras Terry line, and they did they haven't gone to that at all. They bet on Getzlaff Terry. I was a little skeptical of that just because you had this option that had worked so well last year, mm-hmm. but to his credit, that bet has paid off big time, like you said. And then with Drysdale Lindholm, it's the same thing, right? I was very skeptical that that was going to work. And it has. I mean, the the numbers for that pairing look great mm-hmm. right now. And, and same you know, thing with Fowler Manson, right? Exactly. So there there have been kind of these foundational decisions that have worked out really well. The stuff on the fringes is, I think, where you can levy a lot of the criticisms for for Aikens. But mm-hmm. I guess the core stuff, which is just playing, yeah, your, your better players more than your bad ones, and getting the 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 high end high usage uh, lines and pairings correctly. He has done that. I and, think also, the... and also, to his credit, he has given Newell Brown and Jeff Ward full autonomy for yeah. for uh, constructing the power play. Yeah, and I, I think the minor things, and I don't think they have that big of an impact overall in terms of the five-on-five play, but I think they're more so... They do. They, they do. They do. Delorier on the second that, line. That's a fair <laughs> point. Fair point. I was yeah. more so thinking about the fact that Zegers didn't play at all in the final 10 minutes. And that wasn't going to necessarily impact that game because the Nine, Canucks 958. were... 958. Yeah. yeah, like that. that's a poor decision. But kind of where I was going with that is those are poor decisions. I, I guess maybe maybe this point doesn't necessarily stand. I'm going to back off this point, you know? Sometimes you just got to okay. gotta eject. Okay. <laughs> wow, mid-take just yeah. aborts the take. Uh, okay, well, so I do want to say that you know, because people harp on us all the time for being overly critical of Aikens. And I think that when we do criticize him, it's always based on stuff that's actually happening. It's not just, you know, there's facts, there's facts for it, pulling it out of our asses. But I will say that he's done some things well this season. I, you know, I'm not going to say that coaching 
has been the absolute driver of this this team's success, but it has been a a strong point for them. Or it's it's been a how do I put this? It's been a non weakness. It hasn't held them back. And I mean, honestly, for a lot of coaching in the NHL, that's just half the battle. Is just don't hold back your roster. And I think he he's managed to not do that. And I will give him credit. So hopefully the haters at home are are paying attention right now. Yes, this is indeed us giving Dallas Aikens credit. Yep. Now, looking at the players, I think that you got you got to start with Troy Terry. Yep. Troy Terry is very good. Troy Terry is very good. 13-game point streak, Olympic buzz, NHL's third star of the week, announced today, six points in his last three games. How much of the Ducks' success can you directly trace back to Troy Terry? A significant amount. Yeah, I mean, he's been their best Significant amount. He's been their best forward. He's been their most impactful forward, both, both on ice and production. He's been great on the power play as well. It's just one of those things where it has worked so well, and look, there's always going to be that discussion of, is this who he actually is? Is he a 70, 80 point guy now? I'm still a little cautious to go full in on that yet, but I think this is closer to who he is. Than, I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to be cautious. He is a 70, 80 point guy at the, with the way he's playing right now. He is a 70, 80 point well, guy. Sure, because... But with the way he's playing right now, but we don't, ex- you don't, I mean, I know that you think that his on ice shooting percentage can, has some room to improve, but this point production it may not keep up for not for just a full season. not. I mean, his on ice production is basically where it should be. If mm-hmm. you look at his on ice shooting percentage, his on ice shooting percentage is at is at eight percent right now. League mm-hmm. average is seven point six. He's at right. like Getzloff is shooting two percent. Right, and like, what's Henrique shooting? Uh, let me really quickly. Henrique, I think it's only like at six or seven percent, and he's like a career fourteen percent. Right. So Terry's line mates could be you know could be doing even yeah. Better. Sorry, Henrique's at twelve. Mm-hmm. So basically where he should be uh but i don't know how much he was playing with him because that was a relatively new thing was putting henrique with getzloff and terry he was having comtois having whoever it was with them but yeah getzloff is shooting two percent uh 2.2 getzloff is over a point per game on the season and has one goal yeah like at some point he's gonna score goals like it's just gonna happen because he's he is shooting the puck. Like Getzloff is shooting the puck more than Troy Terry is. He was leading the team in shots at one point. Yeah, like he's not yeah. gonna continue to shoot two percent. And once and eventually that puck's gonna go in and Terry's gonna get assists from there. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how this works. And that's why looking at your kind of average uh, on ice shooting percentage makes sense. And so mm-hmm. no, Troy Terry's not gonna continue to score an eleven ga- goals per fifteen game pace. I don't imagine him being like a forty goal scorer in this league or this season. Um, but could he be a, uh, 20 to 30 goal scorer, 40 assist guy? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, no, I, I think that he's, like I said, I think he's closer to being who he actually is right now than not. Like this isn't yeah. a mirage. This isn't yeah. just a flash in the pan and, and, and he's, he's only getting better. So yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting if you're a and, Ducks fan. And for those that haven't seen, I'm going to put up on the screen right now. His uh, card from JFresh with the the change, and to he's gone. So in what would it be fifteen games so far this season? Uh, in a fifteen game sample, it's made him go from the sixty seventh percentile of war to ninety second percentile of war. Yeah, which is production based. Yes, yes, and no. And production influenced. Yes, production influence is a good way to put it. But that goes to show that if you were to just take this season alone, he's probably in that ninety ninth percentile. Right. No, he's been very good. 
and the, 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 the hashtag is correct. The um, only thing I think left for him in terms of how the coaching staff utilizes him is put him on the PK. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's fully optimizing Troy Terry or fully taking advantage of what he can do for you here. So I am a little frustrated with people acting as if Troy Terry is kind of this new player this year, just because I think that if you had paid attention in the past to the numbers, to just kind of all the stats that you, that we have available for Terry, you you could already tell that he's a, he was a guy who was having a very positive impact on ice. The points weren't there, but he was undoubtedly one of this team's yep. better players already this year. The points are there and that has elevated him to a new tier. I Correct. think people, the people are talking about him now who have never talked about him. If you're yeah. just scrolling through I, Twitter. Yeah. I mean, his defense actually maybe has taken a very small step down this season, but it's very, it's yeah. going from 96th percentile to 94th percentile. So right. very, very minor, if at all. And this just goes to show just how good of a, pl- of a player he is. And sure, there's improvement. I think that's something we, we've said in various places. I think you you would you have to give him credit for improving, but oh, I think yeah. a lot. He, he's not. It's not like he's just the same player with shooting percentage luck. Like no, he, he has improved as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of that just has to do with getting older. He's now entered his scoring prime, but I think that people are talking about this improvement as being yeah, this like, night and day thing. When in reality, you brought this up. I think it was on the Patreon show, but you w- if you watched him play, you would see him try try these things in the offensive zone, entering the zone with with speed, entering the zone with possession, try to make moves, and maybe he wasn't as successful with it back then, but he was still going for it. And as time has gone on, he's learned how to be successful with those moves and is getting shots off of them or instead of getting a shot and it goes in the leg now it's getting on net or he's creating chances and so this type of player was always there and it's people would get frustrated with the turnovers but those turnovers show that he's at least trying stuff and that's the sign of a player that is going to be good to me yeah I I think that he's mastered a couple things one is getting shots through in traffic which is a big skill right especially in the modern NHL where you've always got guys in the lanes Um, But also one tendency that I've noticed, and this could just be my own confirmation bias, but it appears to me as if we're in the past, you know, if he had the puck on the outside and he'd be kind of pivoting on his edges, just trying to shake off a defender and then staying, you know, staying on the outside just to control the puck. Now with Terry, you actually see him like he's always thinking about cutting into the middle. He's always thinking about driving to the net or getting the puck into the slot, or getting a shot on net. He's always thinking, how can I get this puck or myself into the most dangerous area of the ice? And that has not been something that's always been the case for him. And so I think when you combine maybe a a, a better approach, a refinement of some of his skills, and just like you said, physical maturity, you're just getting, this is kind of the full package now for Troy Terry. And it's, it's exciting. Yep, it is. And Salem is appearing on camera. She is now, on camera. Another player who is being claimed to be kind of rejuvenated, reborn, Ryan Getzlaff this season. Now, I think that this one is even less true than the, than the Terry one. So, I, like, you know, you saw Stevens today put out that, you know, Ryan Getzlaff already has the same amount of points as he did last year. I really do think that Ryan Getzlaff was criminally underrated last year. I yeah. thought that he was one of the Ducks' better players. I thought that he had a, a, a very positive on ice impact and just did not have any production basically to show for it because of yeah. line mates, because of the team sucking. And now his finishing has actually gotten worse this season. Like you said, he's shooting 2%, but playing with Troy Terry, he's just involved in more scoring action. And 
everything else is kind of still held up. Like he's still pretty much the player that he was last year. So maybe at times he, I mean, I think there are times where he does look quote unquote rejuvenated where he's just so involved, but I think he was already good last year. How much of that is just having better line mates to work with? Yeah. Having, having, you know, fully, fully actualized, uh, fully manifested Troy Terry and Adam Henrique. I mean, yeah, not, not being played on the wing. Remember when that was a thing? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, shocker, put your best players together, let them play together, and play them more, significantly more than your bad players. And good things are probably going to happen. But, yeah. No, but so with Getzlaff, there is this narrative that he's rejuvenated, blah, blah, blah. And I think, sure, to a degree, he is having an uptick in his play this year. Like, no doubt, he ha- he has been better this year. But I think one of the premise, one of the premises of that argument points. is that is that he was bad last year. And yeah. points. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you just erase points and you just compare, you know, 2021 gets left to 2021, 2022, they're not that dissimilar when you look at the underlying numbers. And so, yep. again, it's one of those things, folks, where, like, if you pay attention to analytics, you're going to be ahead of these narratives. Like, you're going to see yep. stuff coming. And, like, we're not savants here. We're no. not. We're not soothsayers. No, we're we're, we're, not, we're not we're not the people like making up. We're not the people building models. We're not the evolving wild no. twins. We're not Micah Blake McCurdy. We're, we're, we're not we're just. And I said this on the Patreon, and I, I I probably said that at least four times now that I've said something on the Patreon. But like, if you only look at points, you are going to be at the mercy of shooting percentage swings, and your analysis is going to be really limited to whatever's kind of the the latest swing or fluctuation. Mm-hmm. If you look at the stuff that's less noisy, you're going to be able to separate what's BS and what's not more easily. And yep. so that that's why like I love watching hockey and I consider myself like I want to see the game first, but stats is just necessary well, to, to 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 really understand the game at its highest level. And I've always said this, I think that stats allow you to challenge what your eyes see. And yeah, so exactly. Because I I used to not look at analytics at all, and and it, as it turned out, I used I was wrong in players all the time. Yeah, and now I'm still wrong. Well, here here's the it thing: still happens, it, but I'm but I'm wrong less often. I, would I was listening to the PDO cast, and on that, Dimitri had mentioned uh, this, where he's basically like asking about how analytics have changed the way he's watched watch the games, and he said it's refined his eye test, right. and because like what matters and what doesn't. Yeah, what, exactly. What drives winning? Exactly. 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 And so by understanding these numbers, you know what you should be looking for, because at the end of the day, the reason why we look at these numbers is it's been statistically proven that these numbers correlate more so to winning than or than other numbers do. And so being good at, uh, and this is why you and I never talk about faceoffs. There's no correlation of being good at faceoffs and winning hockey games. There's no. no correlation. It's noise. And sure, there are moments where maybe having a guy out there that could win a face-off near the end of the game, maybe that's beneficial. Or, but, like, at the end of the day, is it worth having that guy out there if he's going to get shattered defensively when, if you end up losing that face-off? Because at the end of the day, the best guys still lose 40% of their draws. Like, mm-hmm. that that's, I think, where it is. And so it's understanding what you should be looking for, what creates a yeah. positive environment, a positive <laughs> winning environment. It's funny to me how people act. Now, this is a side note, but that yeah. people act as if 54% is this amazing number for, for a face-off. face-off. It's like, I mean, granted, realize... we do the same thing for like expected goals and things like that. Yeah, but again, it's just one correlates True. more than the other. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Yeah, but anyway, so the Ducks are better. 
Yeah. And there's there's like major components well, within that that are definitely worth being excited about. Yeah, real quick on that that percentage thing that you were just saying with faceoffs. The the thing though that's funny there is though if it comes down to a draw near the end of the game, even well, yeah. the best guys are slightly above of coin flip. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Whereas you know a, a shot attempt or an expected goal is not it's not like a singular coin it's not a coin flip each time. Yeah. It's it's like an accumulation. Yeah. So anyway, uh now I do want to talk about this a little bit because this uh this made some some noise on Twitter yesterday. Shocker, end, you and me making noise? End of the game, the Ducks were up. I mean, were they already up 5-1 with 10 minutes left or they no, they were up 4-1. They had a two-goal lead. It was 3 to 1. Yeah, it was 3 to 1 and Trevor Zegers gets benched for the last 10 minutes of the game. And now this is a trend we, and Sonny Milano as well, I should add. Um, this and is Mason a trend, McTavish. Yeah, this is a trend we've seen with Dallas Akins where, and he's done this in many games a season now, like where two or three guys get benched when the Ducks are defending a lead or when they're trying to come back. Like he shortens his bench and he even shortens his bench when they're already shorthanded, when someone is hurt or someone has left the game. And so that's just something that he's really leaned into this year. A lot of the times, guys like Sam Steele, Max Contois, uh, Bo Gru have been victims of that. And last night, it's just the musical chairs fell on Trevor's egress. And my own opinion on this, very simple, is that I just don't think that this is going to help the development. You know, Dallas Higgins said today that, I mean, what did he say? It was just a word salad honestly that just you know that right now you know we, we we're just trying to close we're out focusing game. on the team yeah the, here I'll, I'll get the yeah, quote I'll, I'll, the quote please yeah it's worth uh let me it's, yeah let, let's let's at least get his but, so here it is but the thing is that we're because basically eric stevens is framing the fact that trevor zegras during the um while he was mic'd up on the bench, had said to Troy Terry, it was in the second intermission when you and I were doing a watch along for, he had mentioned, isn't it sad? I've never actually had a hat trick in my entire life. Isn't that sad? And so I <laughs> like, there's no way that like, if he was telling like Troy Terry that there's no way that wasn't relayed to Dallas Akins, but Dallas Akins had this quote, but the thing is we're about a team or about team. And I would love that young man to put on one in an empty net and have a hat trick, but we want to get really comfortable locking down these games with certain guys. If we're down in a game, Hey, Z is going to get a lot of ice time right now in his career. We've got other guys that their jobs are to lock this down. And they did a hell of a job of it. The last, that last five minutes, six minutes was impressive. What we did there. Yeah. So the problem with that argument is that the guys he's trusting over Zegris are not actually better than Zegris defensively. Yep. The only because, the only centers better. I mean, Lundestrom and Getzloff are better than Zegers defensively. Mm-hmm. So Derek Grant had more minutes than Trevor Zegers, and he is one of these anointed, trusted players down the stretch. Nick Delorier is also one of them. Nick Delorier is good defensively, but doesn't mm-hmm. bring you anything offensively. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm all for you know trying to win. You know, just close it out and and secure the win. But at the same time, Dallas Higgins needs. To, needs to not lose sight of the fact that yes the ducks are trying to win games they are trying to you know maximize their potential right now but at the same time this is still a development season and there is a bigger end goal here of getting these younger guys to the point where they can contribute when when they're in those situations when when they're in a game that's on the line in a high stakes game and i just don't know how it's possible to gain that experience if you're sitting on the bench 
for 10 well, minutes. Well, and let me ask, let me let me bring this up. Like, so, not even one shift. Not even well, yeah, one. You bring it up. Trevor Zegers played eight minutes and 58 seconds at five on five last night, which is, is just criminal to me. Um, but here's the thing. If you want to make that argument that Dallas Akins is making, which I have issues with and I'll get into that. But if you want to make that argument and utilize that for why he's not out there with the empty net, you have a two-goal lead, three minutes left, sure. But from 10 minutes on, right. like, that's, that's it, the like here, here's the issue. Trevor Zegers last night was on the ice for 90% of the expected goals for for the Ducks. Like, while he was on the ice, that's not 90% of the expected goals for. He was yeah. on the ice for .06 expected goals against. He was on the ice for only two shots on goal against. Like it's not a one scoring chance against no high danger chances when he was on the ice against. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if he was poor defensively and it was up and down fire wagon hockey when his, when he was out there, this is a kid that had, this is a kid that had two goals and assists having the best game of his of the season, probably one of the best games of his career. And what do you do for him? You bench him with 10 minutes left in the game. Like even if you, that doesn't make sense. Even if you want to say we have our guys, we have our penalty killers, we have those guys out there with an empty net to to really kill off the game. But to say that this guy that's having the best game of his his life in the NHL, let's just go with it. Um, the fact that he can't even see the ice for the final ten minutes, and that you as a coach think that's good for his development when he's feeling it, that's just it's just piss poor management. Like I don't well, really know other way to put thing. it. That's the weird thing is that Akins is hailed as one of those guys who just gets it. Yeah. Who, who gets people, who's a great communicator. Like, what does that and- do for his confidence? Like, how how is this rewarding a player who's having a fantastic game? Like, you want to reward a guy for having a great game, not punish him. And Well, well, well also, I mean, it's just bad. It's just bad logic. Like, Trevor Zegers is the reason you're up 3-1. to Yeah, one. that too. So maybe play him more, right? Like, like don't. Dallas Higgins has tried to make this point this season that they're not sitting back anymore on leads. And it's like, okay, well, taking Zegers out of the game is hampering your ability to not sit on the lead. And and here's the thing. This is against the Canucks, who are horrible. Like, absolutely horrible. And you have a two... It's not as if... It's not as if it's a one-goal lead against a team that's been pushing play on you, really pushing against you. This is against the Canucks, who have struggled to get chances. You have a two-goal lead. You have a comfortable lead. And you're you're going through this micromanagement tactic. And the other thing that I want to say on it that's important is it's not as if the Ducks were on a losing streak either. Like yeah. this is this, this is their seventh win in a row. Like why are you preaching like faith. like well not only that but why are you preaching like um, we need to learn to lock down games? You've won seven in a row. Like you you're doing you, well. Yeah. Like why are you like saying you need to like well, learn to and, lock and also this down? The, the the great irony in all of this is that. I think what he's partly alluding to is that the blown leads or the blown games in the beginning of the season and the, the Buffalo game, yeah, the Minnesota game. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, does he not remember who was on the ice when those leads were blown? I think the Buffalo game was Zegras though. Wasn't right, it? But well, so, so the, there's the Minnesota game. Yeah. There's a, I think a game in Vegas or was it Calgary? Anyway, point is, there were situ like a lot of those situations were not with Zegers. It was actually True. with the guys that he's trusting. Yeah, the the Grants of well, the world, the 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 Grus, the the Deloriers, and Gru didn't play last night. But the point is, it just feels a little revisionist if that's his takeaway from those games. And and here's the other thing that that I have an issue with it. Uh, there's a lot of issues. The other <laughs> issue is, what are you trying to do here? He he clearly said it. We need to learn how to close out these games. Yeah. So what are they so, going to learn on the bench? Well, not only that, but it's so which guys do you want to have to learn that? Because 
Nick Delorier probably isn't here next year. Derek Grant was put on waivers. They tried to get rid of him. Um, and then, uh, oh, Winnipeg was the game with, uh, with two yeah. goals in the last minute. That was the game yeah. I was thinking of. Uh, I think Buffalo was close. But, and, uh, Sam Carrick, Sam Carrick, the 30 year old journeyman in the AHL. 29, 29. 29, sorry. Um, like, why are these guys out there continuing to get minutes to learn how to close out a game when they are not necessarily even going to be part of this franchise, maybe right. in a couple months? Like, well, yeah, why it, it is just, that a necessity? It just feels like he's losing sight a little bit of what this season is about. They're yeah. in a rebuild. And I, yeah. I totally agree. You don't want to just hand guys things, but at the same, but the thing is, is he got to learn somehow? Shot. Yeah. But he also, he also earned his shot to close out that game. Yeah. He was lighting the world on fire. Sonny Milano was playing great as well. So what do those guys have to do to earn the shot to, to be in the, the closing lineup? It, it's just, it's just odd. And, you know, I think that, like I said, the ducks are improved, but they, these kind of tactics from Aikens that we've seen, oh, I, 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 I think that people are getting the impression that because the ducks are winning, everything that they're doing must be the correct choice. And it's like, no, Oh yeah, that's of, what our mentions are trying to tell us. The, the sport of hockey is totally prone to variance and you can win a game by making a lot, despite making a ton of mistakes, but despite making a ton of poor choices as a coaching staff, right? Just sometimes talent wins out. And so people need to not have this, this belief because that didn't help the ducks that, that despite the fact that they still handily close it out, this isn't us trying to find something wrong. This is something that just doesn't add up. And Trevor's egress when he has a three point game should not have the least amount of ice time at five on five. Right. Right, for it, all of your centers like that right. that that like is not anyone, a state like yeah, that's not a statement should that should be said. agree with that exactly. yeah like like this is not a bold take this is not either of us reaching this is not us gaslighting it's not any of that like this and is it's, us. Not a, it's not an analytics thing either it's just common sense <laughs> yeah yeah and like i get it like people like want to be happy and like that's why i said like yeah. sure like be happy with the win no doubt but i think that it's, it's complete okay. yeah oh, sorry go ahead well yeah. i was gonna say it's completely okay to still want the team to be better like it's okay to to want to have issues with how they're being managed still, even if they're on a winning streak. Because here's the thing, what was it? I think it was two or three years ago. It was maybe the first year under Aikens. They had a five game winning streak to start the season. How'd mm-hmm. that go? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So there's a couple things there. I think that if you're a true fan of a team, I think you can you can separate being happy for a winning streak and recognizing that there are some things that can still be improved. Like one is not. Like, th- these aren't mutually exclusive, right? Yeah. And so I also think that now this is a little bit of a darker turn, but look, it's great that the Ducks are in a seven-game winning streak. Good for them. They've earned it. At the same time, this has been one of the worst teams in the league for two years running. So seven games does not erase that. Yeah. The, 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 the two years are still there, and just because they've won the most recent seven games – doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything that they're doing is is turning into yep. gold that everything is point. the correct decision fair um you know so anyway and and i and i would also add because people have this belief as well that oh you know the last two years those were just bad because injuries veterans underperforming no dallas Sagan's was making some horrible choices last year that that we covered in great detail and look would the ducks have made the playoffs anyway probably not but the point is they weren't just bad because of that there were the coaching did not help them so i think people just need to be okay with be, having a little bit more of a critical eye it's, it's not gonna hurt it's gonna it's gonna sharpen your your ability mm-hmm. to enjoy the game 
yep. um, while still being able to have fun with these wins. Nothing yep. wrong with these two things. One, one other thing to be critical on, get <laughs> Nick Deloria away from Trez- Trevor Zegers. I mean, he, he the numbers just like expected goals four per 60. So here, here's, here's the question. Yeah. Here's the question. Because we all agree on this. Um, I guess what I'm more interested in is who do you put there instead? Uh, I would put either Jacob Silverberg or Mason McTavish or God, I'd put anyone there to be honest. Sam Carrick, Sam I mean, there's, Steele. There, there's one very obvious choice. Oh, Max Comtois. Sorry, yeah. why did I, why did I not say Com? It's because Comtois, Comtois didn't play yesterday because yeah. I think he was hurt, and so he that's why he didn't come to mind. But yeah, Comtois, Comtois should go there. Like it, it's Give not him even a shot question. there. I know yeah. that Aikens doesn't like that combo. I mean, it's basically like the three guys that like Milano, Zegers, Comtois, the three guys <laughs> you trust the least defensively uh, or just in general, I guess. But really give that line a chance. I mean, I, I think that Comtois, he's going to he needs someone that's going to set him up. He's not going to turn things around on the fourth line playing with Bo Guru and Sam Carrick. He, he needs to be playing with a playmaker that's going to. Yeah. Yep. bring out the best in him and i think that that's who i would go to yep uh, or you right put comtrol back with getzloff and terry because they still had good on ice numbers as a yeah, trio they, or put henrique back with uh with zegris yeah, i don't love like, henrique with zegris because i don't think it, the styles match up that well but if you want to go that route you can yeah i mean the the numbers on that line uh comtois getzloff terry 57.1 expected yeah. goal tour percentage like they were dominant yeah they, they were good they just, they just didn't get the bounces or at comtois didn't get the bounces um, so yeah, I mean, th- there's still things to be improved, uh, for the team, but they are playing better and you can be happy with the wins and recognize that there's still things to shape up. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Exactly. And by the way, Zegris, Milano, Henrique, it was only 13 minutes that they all played together. 78% expected goals, four percentage though, over that time frame. Mm-hmm. So expected yeah. goals, four per 60, 5.4. Oh, wow. I mean, granted, small sample size, thirteen tiny, minutes, but tiny sample. but but yeah. still, like, just interesting there. Uh, so yeah, anything else before we get into some questions? No, I think I'm uh, I'm I'm ready for some questions. Let's see right. what the let's see what the people have for us. All right, so I got some from Twitter. So let's get to those first. People mm-hmm. on in Twitch, we'll get to you in a sec. But M Benvenuti asked. Question, when in real life it is impossible to overlook the consistent horrible decisions for this uh, example, ignore special teams, line questions, evaluating talent, setting young players out of success. Is Dallas Aikens a good X and basically kind of ignoring all of that? What is the all, question? All, is Dallas Aikens a good X and O coach? Uh, I'm leaning more towards no. Okay. But maybe the answer is shifting towards yes because they're they're playing better. Yeah, it's possible. So, um, yeah. So, based on the last two years, I would say no. Yeah. And Hockey Rush says, here's a question for the podcast. How many first round and second round draft picks do you think the Ducks will have in this next draft? Oh, I saw that one. Uh, Well, so right now, I think, yeah, they just, so right now they have, they're missing one pick uh, for this year. So, I think think they're probably going to add a couple so you're saying first and seconds i'm gonna go with yeah. four i'm gonna go with four so so four total agree or disagree um do you, do you, I mean, is five in play i think five's in play yeah i i think someone's getting extended and so that's why i think i'm going four okay one additional first one additional second would be all my right. guess all right so for those of you that are 
uh, watching this on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash the pond. Please subscribe there. We're trying to really push up our subscribers. If you enjoy the show, go subscribe, like to the videos, everything good on we're YouTube. We're YouTubers. Yeah. Yeah, on YouTube over there. Uh, or uh, listening on your favorite podcast services. If you're doing that, uh, you can also check us out at twitch.tv slash crash the pond where you can watch the live stream of the show each and every time where you can see Felix's beanie half on right now. You can yeah. see the the glory, the charts that I put up. You can see Salem jump up onto the screen. But if you uh, go to go to twitch.tv uh, slash crash the pond, you can help support the show in a way that's completely free to you if you have Amazon Prime. You get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days and you can be just like Zuzle who gifted out a tier one sub by the way to realpolitik41 and Dan Grimshaw who resubscribed for 13 months and use hashtag Troy Terry is very good um oh I forgot with YouTube hit that notification bell there we go thank you fired Carlisle uh but for everyone in Twitch please throw your questions in if you want uh for whatever you want us to answer I saw one earlier and I'm trying to find it but i may not be able to so let's just get to the newer ones uh please repost it if you've posted a question earlier but dalton key said question thoughts on akins uh claiming he didn't know the ducks were on a four game losing streak earlier this year when asked about it bullshit yeah uh oh <laughs> dalton keys also asked uh do we know when raquel's coming back we don't there's been nothing on that yeah unless it- i've missed it it's been very, very quiet on that. So yeah, I, if Bacon's didn't know that, by the way, I just want to get back to that. Um, coaches are known for being crazy, detail-oriented, obsessive types of guys. Like that's just what's needed to be a professional coach. Mm-hmm. Um, if he didn't know, if he actually didn't know that, uh, that's that's kind of concerning. But because of everything I said before that, I just don't believe it at all that he didn't know. Yep. Uh, Lewis chiming in with, as you can imagine, not necessarily a completely ducks related question, but a ducks tangential question, not a, or actually not even a question, but more of a ducks adjacent. Yeah. But more of an FYI, Honda center has a new logger by golden road called quack attack. That's three ducks themed beers. Now Mm. should we, should we do a tasting on podcast? Oh, okay. Wow. (laughs) interesting had you not thought of that until right now because i no. hadn't no it, it hasn't hasn't hit me at all uh yeah let's do it if anyone if any of them saint archer uh brewery x or uh golden road want to sponsor the pod open to it let us know uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and let's see uh uh oh j uh j3 gun asks per when do you think perot gets called up by the way also real quick before you do that our good friend Science Cat 108 just uh, just gifted out uh, five tier one subs. Thank you so much, Jess. Means a lot. Thank you. So Jacob Perot over the weekend pulled off of Michigan in a yeah. game. And here's the thing that I love about this: uh, if you go to Jacob Perot's Instagram, he has already made the picture of that Michigan his profile picture, and he did it in like the eight bit filter, which I just love. I'll I'll, I'll try to put it on on my camera people can see but that is a that is a pretty uh impressive move i don't know if that was fully clear but yeah so kids oh, got some confidence that is good him. kids got some kids got some uh yeah. factor on him yeah as evidenced by the goal so yeah. the question is when will he be called up i despite the fact that he is torching the ahl right now um, I mean, he's at 13 points in 10 games. He's above a point per game. 
I think that this is what he needs right now. Like he needs to dominate a lower yeah. league, and I think that this is what's going to help him get back on track to being a potential star in the in the NHL. So I am actually more inclined to just let this ride out, and maybe late in the season, if the Ducks are out of the playoffs, you know, give him a late cameo. But I would say let him let him just enjoy this. I mean, look, do I think that he could help them right now? Do I think Jacob Perot is a better use of a spot on a line with Zegers than Nick Delorier? Yes. But at yeah. the same time, from what I saw from him in the preseason, I do think that he needs some more seasoning, and that's why I think the HL is just perfect for him right now. Here's my prediction for him. He stays in the AHL until World Juniors, goes to the World Juniors, lights it up for Team USA, comes back, makes the uh, is promoted to the Ducks after World Juniors, after Ricard Raquel has been traded. Wow. <laughs> the sequence of events there. Very impressive. Any issues? Believable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, 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 the him lighting it up in the World Juniors part, believable. Yeah. Ryro 54. Ra- Ra- Raquel's getting re-signed. No. <laughs> I just wanted to see your reaction to that. Sure, sure. The you look you look like you're in pain right now. I'm more just confused. No, he's he's getting traded. Uh, Ryro fifty four says if the Ducks actually trade for futures uh, uh, in this deadline, when could they uh, finally be good? Well, I think they can be good. I mean, they're are they good right now? You know, they're better right now than they were. But I think that they can be good as soon as next season i think that they can push for the playoffs as soon as next season provided that they have a solid off season because you saw the jump that terry made this year mm-hmm. and i think that they have a couple of a couple more of those on on their way just on the current roster mm-hmm. they have some prospects that are going to make the jump eventually as well They they can build around those guys they have a ton of cap space so if they just don't screw that up they can be in the hunt next season so i yep. think it's common yep i agree I 100% agree, and I think it's contingent on what they do with Lindholm also. Mm-hmm. I think if they can get a really good player back who's younger, um, mm-hmm. then I think they're in really, really good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see. Question from Fired Carlisle says, would you wait until after the season to name a pers- uh, permanent president of Hockey Ops or GM, or would you try to get that per- try and get that person in place before the deadline? Yeah, I think that there should they shouldn't be afraid to do it you know, sooner rather than later. I mean, you kind of want to get the show on the road. I think the problem is they have people they want to interview who they can't until the off season. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, if, if you're able to, I think there's nothing wrong with doing it ahead of, ahead of the deadline just to have your, your group in place. But I think it is not going to happen until the off season though. Yep. Uh, Goons never say die says just putting us on the spot. We kind of said this earlier, but do you think the Ducks are not a playoff team still, or do you still think the Ducks are not a playoff team? I still, I still would bet against them making it's, the playoffs. It's a coin flip to me now, yeah. which is a huge improvement uh, from oh, where yeah. I thought they were. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely more in the camp that like right now they're at 54% probability on money puck, which is never thought I'd see that. Um, but yeah, it, I, I think I saw Micah uh, had them at hockey or from hockey viz had them at like forty nine percent. And you know the 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 team, you know, like the, the the division they're in is just so bad that there's not a ton of competition either. So part of me wants to say just give the level headed. I would still bet against it, but you know what? Screw it. I'm in. They're making the playoffs. There we go. There you go, folks. You heard it here first. Uh, this actually 
uh, just rush, or there's a couple questions I'll get to uh, after this one, but this goes in line with it. With that being the case, do you trade Lindholm or keep him? Trade. Well, th- yeah. yeah, I guess I guess that's the argument for them making it is that they're going to take an well, axe to the roster at some point. Exact. Well, that's the argument for what do they do if yeah. they make it? Like, like you. I think you have to move Lindholm still. I think yeah. even if you are making it, you have to move him. Highest return that you can get. Yeah. And let's just say the name I keep coming back to and not saying this is what would happen, but this is the type of name they should be looking at getting is like a Sam Gerard back. Yeah. Someone fit their timeline. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I think that that would be what they would look for. Uh, Dalton Giza says, how many players will the Ducks have in the world juniors? Ooh. Uh... It could be like, th- I my bet would be right now three. So four, four. 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 I'm going to go four. Asajov, Perot. McTavish? Yep. And Zellweger. Zellweger, four. There's got to be some Euros that we're forgetting right now. There's probably one of the late round picks. I think one of them... uh, Is Albin Sunsvik going to be in I think that's... Yeah, Albin Sunsvik. Because he was on the Swedish Swedish team last year. Yeah, is Henry Thrun going to be in there? Henry Thrun's too old. He's the Zegers draft. Timo Nickel? Timo Nickel might. For Austria, I think. Uh, Ian Moore is 19. Yeah. So I guess so there's a bunch. I think that those are the prominent names you want to look at is those four though, that we mentioned. Sam Colangelo's 19. He Sam, was on oh, the, I somehow always forget Sam Colan, about Sam Colangelo. He's probably on the team. Yeah. So there's so five. I would go with six. I think six is, is likely. I'm going to go seven. <laughs> Just one upping me. Okay. 100%. I'm going to go eight. I don't know where the eighth is coming from. Okay. You, you can, you can stand on that ledge there. You know, I'll, I'll leave you be there. Blake McLaughlin is going to lie about his age and, and get into the world juniors. He's going to get a fake ID and get in. There you go, folks. You heard it here first. Sorry, yep. Blake. Sorry, Blake. Yep. You've been outed. Uh, yep. Just a rush guy said, what do you guys think about Martin Madden for GM? I think it could work. Um, assuming that he's kind of properly surrounded. Um, but I am a little, skeptical just because again like i think being a gm nowadays isn't just about having an eye for talent which clearly he does if you look at the ducks uh, draft record um it's it's more technical now than i think it used to be and that's why i think i would lean towards someone else but i don't know his proficiency with that stuff either we just have no way of knowing so like it's it's hard to completely answer these questions but based on resume he would not be my first choice yep Agreed. Uh, let's see. Lewis X two hundred nine said food question favorite restaurant, and he said I filled the food question quota. My favorite restaurant that like non fast food, whatever you want it to mean. In and out. There you go. Where have I spent the most money in my life at a restaurant? It's it's got to be in and out. I'm gonna go with a place that I always go back to as being delicious and something my wife and I always love going to is, well, there's two, there's two Italian food places. I'm going to give you two different ones that I love. Mm -hmm. Michael's on Naples, delicious Italian food, a little bit pricey. Mm -hmm. And so it's more so a fancier Italian food, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's delicious. Um, another one, Cucina Alessa in Huntington beach and Newport beach. Something I've had that one. Oh, I love it. It's it's fine. I Um, like it. I like it. I'll give you a better Italian place. So I'll, I'll, I'll one up you here. So, there's a great Italian place. It's in It's not going to be better than Michael's. Oh, it will be. Uh, Il Faro in Newport Beach. Very, very good. Uh, Italian, great. Uh, I love it. And then another place, Sushi, 
this one is down the or i guess up the peninsula closer where i am it's called sanshi go and best sushi that you will have i would say in orange county uh so i talked to last time i went i was talking to the waiter and they actually fly in their fish from japan every day so it's as authentic as it gets yeah jake Damn. is just staring right now so they're serious Damn. about the authenticity i've had the wagyu nigiri there and it is just it is just amazing so i would hi- it, it is definitely on the prize of your side uh but it is 100 percent worth it damn take all take all my money damn um i'll go with lobster rolls from maine that was delicious Ooh, yeah that sounds great i had a great food now trip. i'm hungry yeah same um yeah. let's see uh let's uh let's end with this one yeah this is i think our last question um oh yeah goons never die say die is asking the question i am how expensive is that sushi i mean it's so it's not cheap <laughs> it but it's not like it's not unreasonable either i think i think you get a good quality versus uh price ratio there okay uh, yeah. Soviet fifty seven asked this question: Do you think Raquel is worth a first round pick? Um, yeah, I think so. Like a late first round pick. I don't know if he's even worth that right now. Well, I mean, assuming he gets back to full health, has a productive stretch. That's the key. There is the productive stretch. Yeah, I think that. I think that yes, he will be. If he if he Name ends brand, up if he's, resume if he can be by the trade deadline. Barclay fifth, Goodrow fifth. got a first round pick. Yeah, no, that's not true though. That is always misquoted. Wait, is it not true that it was? So you're saying it wasn't a first round pick? No, it was. It was Barclay Goodrow and a second round pick for a first round pick. So what you're saying is that Barclay Goodrow got a first round pick. It was Barclay Goodrow and a second. That's the the annoying. <laughs> Do you know that that actually annoys me, or are you just <laughs> actually saying that? Uh, no, I did not know that, but now I'm going to have to bring it up all the time. So, yeah, let me go. see. Barkley Goodrow trade. I I will just, I guess, blow everyone's no, I, mind. No, I, I, I know that. I mean, I knew that, that it was more of like a pick swap than an yeah, actual. Yeah, so Barkley Goodrow was traded for a first-round pick. Uh, <laughs> wow, um, I did not expect the, the research element here. I can't find the full, but yeah. Uh, looking for it. There we go. Barkley Goodrow and a third-round pick for Anthony Greco and a first-round pick. Oh, so that's actually better than how you were painting it. I guess. No, like unquestionably. Anthony Greco's an AHLer. Anyway, point is, I think he can get to first round return potential if he if he can be in the fifteen plus goal range. Uh, yeah. Um, here's the issue with Raquel is that uh, they should have traded him last deadline. Well, yeah, they should have traded all these guys last deadline. But yeah. Neither here nor there. They should have traded all them at the draft. We were told that making trades is hard, though. So well, now we'll, Bob Murray's no longer here. So yeah. Now we'll see we'll what see. Solomon can do. We'll see. Yeah. So I think that is going to do it for us tonight. Unless there's anything else you want to add. Uh, so Goons Never Dies asking how many dollars. You know, well, I'll I'll link the the menu to to this place, but uh, just put it in the Twitch chat. Just a rush guy saying In and Out, well done fries, amazing. I'm gonna go with no on that. I think well done is a little. A little too crispy for my liking. Got to go. Got to go a little less. Um, but yeah, I've got nothing else unless unless you've got some other topics, hard hitting nope. topics you want to nope. get into. Nope. Okay. Well, uh, on that note, <laughs> uh, we are going to get out of here, folks. So if you've been enjoying the show, if you enjoy 
what we do here, there are definitely a few ways for you to support us. The number one way is going to be through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash crash the pond. You have three tiers of support of monthly pledges that you can make. So for a dollar a month, you can have access to our patrons only discord chat, which is just an awesome place. You get to connect with some diehard fans, just honestly, nice people, people who are there to have a good time to just discuss the ducks, to talk about any random thing. We have a general chat, hockey talk. Yes, there is a wrestling chat much to my chagrin. Um, but it's just a lot of fun, and honestly, that just just that alone would be worth it. You know, if if there's breaking ducks news or in game, uh, we will be chatting in there about what's going on. And then next tier of support is for five dollars a month, and that is where yes, you do still have access to the Discord or to the Discord chat, but you also have access to two bonus podcast episodes a month, and that is where we will be more unfiltered. Let's just say uh, we will also get into. Uh, deeper topics, you know, league-wide. So we'll do like rankings. We'll pick our award winners. Uh, we will just go a little more wider scope or like we did on the last one, when there's something big going on with the Ducks, we will go even deeper on that as we did with the Murray News. And that's two bonus episodes a month. And this month there's actually three. So it's a good time to get in on the action. For $15 a month, you get access to everything I just talked about. And you also get access to two live watch-alongs a month. So that is where... When the Ducks are playing, we will have a, a feed of Jake and I commentating on the game, uh, having a good time. These are definitely pretty laid back, but we give you a, a different feel for, for what to look for during the game. So it's not just your usual commentary that you get on TV talking about face-offs, plus-minus. I quiz Felix on music during intermissions. Yeah, so the, so the, the little bit off. Fe- Felix, off. Felix thinks uh, Lupe Fiasco is Kanye West is what I found out. Oh, get out of here. That That's unproven. But um, anyway, so yeah, th- so those are a lot of fun. And uh, I think, and we also have a chat going on during those. So it's, we give you a private YouTube link. So you get to interact with us as we're doing it. So that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Highly recommend that. But that is not the only w- way to support us. Uh, you don't have to pledge any money. You can actually help us out for free. Uh, you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do leave a review, we will read it on the show as I will read the latest one we got. So, yes, we do have a new review. This one is from D-Ways BMF. Uh, hopefully I'm getting that right. Very uh, short and sweet podcast review. Good good is the title, and then in the description is podcast. So I think what the, that review, that five-star review adds up to is good podcast. So, hey, you know I'll what? take it. Short and sweet, right to the point. I, I can get on board with that. So. Yeah. Find us there on Apple Podcasts. Just search Crash the Pond. You don't even have to leave a review. You can just leave us the the five stars, and that helps us quite a bit as well. You can also find us on Spotify uh, if you're not on Apple Podcasts, really wherever you get your podcasts. And we're also on YouTube. Jake talked about that, youtube.com slash Crash the Pond. You can see the video feed of the show that we do on Twitch. You can see the charts. You can see our, our faces. You can see all the stuff that goes on as we are trying to get through the show. Um, and that's at youtube.com slash crash the pond. Make sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications. Outside of that, check out our website, crash the There's Jake's article up there right now, which you should definitely go check out five takeaways. CJ has his goals of the week, uh, that have been going up of late. Kind of got sidelined a bit last week with all the news that came out though. Yep. And we have great, uh, recaps that go up after every game with yep. our awesome writing staff. Yep. So shouts, shouts to Eric, Mike and Bob for, for cranking those yeah. out, uh, yeah, so those far are, this season. 
those are hard work. So definitely thank you guys for that. And that's all at crashthepond.com. You can find the links to those articles on Twitter at Crash the Pond and on Facebook. Just search Crash the Pond. Jake and I are on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. Uh, you'll get some great wrestling content there. And I'm on it was Twitter. A great, it was a great show on, on Saturday. Great show. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. So that will do it for us this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you at the next show. Have a great week. Thanks, everyone. Bye.